0: Welcome to the Men Made For More podcast, a show designed by men, for men, looking to get strong, feel confident, and live a high-performing life. As men, we face many challenges as we try and strive for a better life. You want to live a meaningful and confident life, but you don't know where to start. You've lost your physical and mental edge that's keeping you from living out your full potential. You're tired of talking about doing big things, and you're ready to start living it. With the Men Made For More podcast, our goal is to teach you how to strengthen your body, your mind, and your purpose on your way to reaching your full potential. It's time to start living as the man you know you can be to help lift those up that matter the most in your life. Every week we'll have a featured guest who will share valuable information and experience to give you actionable strategies you can apply to live as the man you were made to be. We'll draw on our guest's knowledge and experience. More importantly, we'll discuss how this applies to the common challenges and struggles of being a man in today's world. Our goal is to not only build strong men physically, but to help coach and develop strong friends, sons, brothers, fathers, business owners, and professionals in every area of your life. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Pachkowski, proud husband, business owner, physical therapist, and strength coach with a passion for helping other men strengthen their body, their mind, and their purpose. Wherever you're at on your journey, I'm excited to have you here with us today. Now let's dive in to today's episode of the Men Made For More podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's show. I got a special guest, good friend of mine, uh, Brian Watts on here today with College Station PT out in Texas. And uh, just for a brief bio on Brian, uh, he grew up in North Texas playing soccer and golf along with many other sports. He attended the University of Texas at Arlington where he received a degree in athletic training in 2007. And he continues education at the University of Mississippi, graduating with his doctor of physical therapy degree in 2010. Brian's a certified uh, integrated dry needling uh, practitioner. He performs manual therapy and therapeutic exercise as well uh, within his business, College Station Physical Therapy. Uh, He worked at Mississippi Sports Medicine Orthopedics for three and a half years until he decided to return home to his state of Texas. Brian, his wife, Allison, and their three children moved to College Station in 2014, where he joined the physical therapy staff at Central Texas Sports Medicine, and at the beginning of 2018, Brian started College Station Physical Therapy and Performance. Brian is active in the soccer, running, and CrossFit communities and is also a board member of the BCS Triathlon Club. With his athletic background and love of sports, Brian's goal is to help people return to an active lifestyle at the highest level possible. He's bridging the gap between recovery from injury all the way to returning to sport. And Brian wants people to know that they do not have to live with lingering pain that's preventing them from doing what they love. And guys, I'm excited for you to listen in today. We got a lot of good things coming your way. We're actually getting deep into the mental side of things and how that affects our physical performance. Things such as using visualization and affirmations to push your body and your mind. We'll talk about how to continue to push yourself to find your full potential using interval training to improve your performance, both mentally and physically, how to prevent injury and improve your performance for the endurance athletes out there, why you're not broken and why your body's more resilient than you think. And there's so many other practical tips we're going to get to for the dads, husbands, business owners, and other guys trying to juggle it all while staying healthy. And Brian's got a lot of good uh, insight, a lot of good wisdom looking to I uh, from myself and uh, hopefully you guys take a lot from this one as well So don't want to hold us back any longer. Let's jump in and let's get started Brian excited to have you man. Welcome to the men made for more podcast. So stoked to have you on here I'm glad we finally got to coordinate something and get you on Yeah, thanks for having me Dave. I'm super excited about this. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun and uh, why don't we kick it off with you Giving an overview of your story personally professionally where you're at and what you're up to Okay, yeah, I
1: guess I could start personally. Well, I'll start professionally because it's a little bit shorter, I guess. Kind of to the point. Um, I, I ended up going to college for athletic training, and so grew up playing a lot of sports. That kind of what led into that. Um, wasn't into playing college, so I wanted to stay around the athletes, and um, that was in North Texas, uh, in Arlington, where I grew up. And then I moved to Mississippi when I was in high school and finished school there. Went to Ole Miss for a year. And then, uh, went to UT Arlington and got my athletic training degree there. So an athletic trainer, uh, a lot of people I think may not kind of like physical therapy, it's like, don't really know what people do (laughs) as an athletic Trainer is like, Oh, do you give people water and, and put some (laughs) ice on them? Like, well, okay. Yeah, we do that. But you know, athletic trainers are kind of jack of all trades. You do a lot of first aid, um, injury prevention, taping, wrapping. You're usually the first person that gets to that person on the field with an injury, um, and then you also get to help them get back on the field with uh, rehabilitation. So, I did that and really took an interest in physical therapy. So, uh, went to University of Mississippi Medical Center for physical therapy school, and then started working at a sports medicine clinic in Mississippi. There, big physician-owned clinic. There were five PTs, and we were seeing lots of patients a day. <laughs> Um about 20 patients a day and did that for four years and then I moved to um College Station, Texas, so back to Texas and started working for the same kind of situation, kind of got stuck again. I'm maybe uh, may talk about this later, like you know, some things I would have done different, but um four years working in that kind of practice setting, physical therapy, and then I started my own practice two and a half years ago. Now it's it was February of 18, College Station PT and Performance, where we're all one-on-one performance-based PT, just like you. And it's it's been awesome. Uh, lots of ups and downs, but overall, best decision I've ever made professionally. Um, and then, so that's about 10 years of physical therapy so far. And <clears throat> personally, I grew up playing all kinds of sports. <coughs> I was able to just be on side all the time. I had a younger brother that we we just we were always outside doing things. Um, I got to try a bunch of things. I played golf starting when I was six. I played soccer a lot. Um, kind of eventually specifically played golf and soccer in high school. But, um, I mean, this is in Arlington, Texas. So the weather's good. Most of the year, uh, we even got into things like roller hockey. I mean, I was big in that for like two years, <laughs> um, cause one of my best friends played roller hockey. And then even in college, like I was the guy that had, a whole sports, like everything in his trunk. So like I had the Frisbee for ultimate Frisbee. I had disc golf, I had golf clubs, I had volleyball, I had basketball, played a ton of pickup basketball. And so I was just always playing sports and I was decently, you know, I was decent at all of them. Like I wasn't, I never really excelled at any of them, which was the problem. I I wanted to, you know, play golf or soccer in college, but I was just kind of, you know, a little above average at everything that I tried and did. So you know, that was pretty cool. But, um, and it kind of led me down the path of, you know, where I am now and things have evolved a lot over the last 15 years, you know, eventually having kids and when I was pretty young, 24, now we have three kids. So anyway, we were just, and even also in high school, going back, I, I ran track, uh, cross country, um, got to be part of a state championship team in a private high school in Mississippi, which may not be saying much, but, um, I mean, at one point I ran a two oh I'll take that. Like, there's no way I can do that now. Um, and I ran a 56, 400. So we're going to, we're going to get after a little 40 yard sprint here pretty soon, Dave. <laughs> Me, you Kingsley, we got a, we got a match lined up. Yeah, that's a good ball. You're, you're, how old are you? 30. Okay. So the 30, 36 and 40, there you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm uh, gonna make you wear jeans. Yeah, I'll, I'll wear jeans to even it out. I've
1: lost a few steps though. Oh yeah. Well, may, maybe me too because I tore my ACL three years ago. <laughs> did you have any? Now back to the high school days.
0: Did you have any like injuries growing up, or was it was the ACL recently that you tore your first kind
1: of major thing? Yeah, I had nothing major. I, I did have a like when I was in eighth grade, fractured my ankle, but it wasn't a big like dislocation. No surgery. Healed in six weeks. Um, that was from soccer, and I think I had strained hamstring, MCL injury. But yeah, nothing major until I was thirty-two. When I even said, I mean, I never thought I would have a major injury. I just felt like, you know, at that point, like I'm not gonna have that blowout knee injury. <laughs> there it is. And then I was playing, then I was playing soccer in an adult league here, and it was non-contact. Popped yeah that's tough and we we see, we see a lot of that and we'll we'll circle back into some
0: more of the injury side of things, but what led from where was the transition from the athletic side of things into triathlons and now marathon training is that something that was more recent or has that been building
1: up over over time like after high school and college yeah so that was definitely more recent um actually what kind of led into that was actually tearing my a c l so um I haven't really gotten back into the cutting sports just because it's not really necessary for me right now got I mean I play soccer with my kids but uh, I coach my daughter uh, she's 11 so I, co- I coached her team for two years but um, I started doing actually got into CrossFit about two 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 and a half years ago and that changed everything for me as far as st- the way I looked at strength training um, because it made it was it was painful but it made me feel so much better as far as I got stronger stronger than ever I had been when I was 35 years old and um and so i was able to use that to the the guy was the the owner of the gym where i was working out was a triathlon coach and he had done nine ironmans at that time now he's a 10 time ironman and so triathlon is kind of one of those things that you you typically see a lot of late bloomers there so like in your 30s you you you're better at endurance sports for whatever reason um and and so and also it's one of those things where if you're around people that are doing it it's just peer pressure kind of like, it just rubs off on you. Like you start running with some people, you start getting into, I mean, I was a good swimmer. I mean, I didn't swim, you know, for competitively, but well, I actually did when I was in fifth grade. <laughs> we'll count um, so it was, it was easy to kind of get into swimming. And then the bike was the scariest part for me and getting used to being on the road, even two years later now, I've finally gotten to where I'm a lot more confident on the bike. Uh, and getting a lot faster on the bike but it was it was CrossFit that kind of got me into that because it was the coach that I used he was doing triathlons he's like why don't you try this little sprint triathlon and so I did that and then that led to a half Ironman six months later and then another half Ironman well in an Olympic distance so there's different distances and then I was training for a full Ironman for May of 2020 which got postponed and then I actually deferred to next year. So I'm actually still planning on doing a full Ironman um, at the end of June up in Idaho. So um, still haven't accomplished that goal. Like, I really want to be an Ironman. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so, but the one thing I've been able to do also is get more into running, which I did run in high school, but for 10 years, uh, I I hated running. Like, I, I would not go do it. I felt horrible whenever I would try to run more than a mile. My wife started eventually running and she was running faster than me, which I hate to admit. was like, man, this is not fun. I don't want to do it. It doesn't feel good. Uh, and I had even kind of, I mean, I'd gained 20, 30 pounds, had three kids. I was heavier than I ever had been. I had actually went to a doctor and had, was told I had high cholesterol. I was like, uh, I've got to do something about this. So <laughs> that was actually about four or five years ago. And so I just started training every day. Um, doing strength training at a place called D1, and um, it was a lot of boot camps and strength training. Lost twenty pounds in three months. My wife hates me for that because I was able to just like knock it off. But it's because I got really consistent and just dedicated to it. So, for a year and a half, five a.m. every morning, five days a week, I was I was in that gym. And so, that actually was a little bit before that I got into CrossFit and triathlon. So that probably actually led into me. actually having fun doing these things. And then this winter, um, the the race that I plan on doing it's there's a marathon that I'm training for now. I've never run a marathon by itself. I've done a few half marathons. I've done a trail run where I ran 20 miles when I was pacing somebody, but that was in the dark on a trail (laughs) with a headlamp. So that was a little bit different. Um, and so I am getting into marathon training now. I also have some clients who I, who I coach, not for long distance stuff, but, um, it's, it's, it's been fun getting into this endurance sport and there's a lot of people. I had no idea how many people around here do endurance sports and there's a community here that's really tight knit and strong with runners and triathletes. And it's, I mean, it's been great getting into all that. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's huge around us being in Southern California. It's, it's all over the place. I haven't, I haven't gotten into it yet, but we've, we've seen a lot of people and, uh, you know, it's cool with this transition from yeah, your athletic days into some CrossFit, which led you into this, you know, this endurance world. And it's it takes a different kind of physical and mental shift. And it's cool. You have the experience of working with people in this, we have the, the rehab and the performance kind of background to help, help kind of balance out these things. But when you start to get into it, or, or if you're helping anyone get into more of this endurance world scene, what's, what's one big thing mentally and one big thing physically to, to get
1: yourself ready to, to make that shift into that world. That's a great question. And I think these kind of actually somewhat blend together. Um, but mentally something recently that I um, got from actually one of our business mentors is this matter of using <laughs> visualization and affirmation, um, and with with something like uh, endurance sports, it's it's really a matter of you get past a point where where it's not so much physical. Yeah, you have to keep moving, but you have to make a decision in that race: Am I going to keep moving? And so, get. I mean, I didn't really do this before getting into it, but um, kind of looking back, I think that if I had approached the training for a triathlon in a marathon with first of all like I'm going to be an Iron Man. Like telling myself that I'm going to be an Iron Man. I'm going to I'm I'm going to finish this race. It's going to feel good. You know, <laughs> even though you know it's probably not going to feel good. But you affirm yourself and say, I'm going to do this. And the more you say that, the more you believe in it. And then also the visualization, actually visualize yourself finishing that race. And so before you and that's going to affect your training a lot. I mean if you if if you don't see yourself finishing it. Or doing it and you just see it as a lot of work and it being painful and hard, then you're gonna burn out because there is a lot of training that goes into triathlon. I mean, you're spending you're doing at least nine workouts a week. Um, and there's probably you probably could do more. And so there's a lot of control of volume, recovery, nutrition, I mean, swimming, biking, running, and then strength training. So it's just a lot of stuff to do. If you don't visualize yourself completing it and going through with it, the likelihood of you um Kind of fizzling out during our training and not having a good time, not enjoying the race at all is really high. So that's the first thing I think mentally for me is got to you know get out there and do it. I mean, I mean, get out there and say I'm going to do this um, and see yourself finishing it. And um, and physically, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to like isolate. I think physically what you need to do to prepare because I mean, in one sense, I was I was doing strength training, I was doing CrossFit, and so. Physically, I was like basically ready. I could have done a sprint triathlon probably. Um, and it's, but I, I don't want to say, I mean, you see all shapes and sizes of people that are doing endurance sports. You can't say it's just like one body fits, you know, this sport. It's not like football where everyone's just jacked, you know, it's, you look around, like some of these races, there's 2,000 people around you, you're all standing in wetsuits, and I mean, you see short people, tall people, guys, girls, um, tall, short, fat, like, I mean, everybody, because it's not about like the way they look physically. I mean, a lot of it is they've probably determined I'm going to do this race and then, and then they just, you know, commit themselves to, it's like realizing, okay, I'm going to have to, okay, this is actually another thing I thought about was, um, physically you have to realize you have to kind of be open to like trying different things because if you just go out there and train for a marathon and just run, 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 um, that's not going to be fun first of all. (laughs) Uh, but also it's not as effective as if you're doing strength training, you're doing some cross training, whether it's in the water or biking, but physically being open-minded to, to approaching, you know, that, that race a little bit differently where it's not just that discipline. So that's the great thing about multi-sport is you have an opportunity and you're kind of forced. You have to work on swimming. You have to work on strength training. You've got to work on the bike. You've got to work on your nutrition. you got to work on running. Um, and so being open-minded to approach things differently in your training, I think physically is going to be a big benefit if you're just getting started. And yeah, a lot, a lot of good
0: points there on the the physical side and the mental side. And the, the mental side, I wanted to hear from your perspective, because that's something that can be, so overlooked. And I, I hear people all the time that say like, you know, we have say our, our office manager has done some, uh, some Ironman things. We have lots of, in our community that, that have, and people from the outside talk to them and they're like, Oh, that'd be so cool to do. Like, I wish I could, you know, it's it's that I wish I could do that. I or I, I wish, yeah, there's all this, like they've already ruled themselves out. And for some people, you know, they say that, and maybe it's not really a passion, but there are some people that would like to do that, but just don't maybe think they're, they're capable of doing it or don't realize the, how much consistency over time can, can create some incredible change. And for you, when it comes to the visualization stuff to, to go a little deeper on that, are you only picturing the like outcome of the races? I, I know you kind of went a little more detail on the, the affirmation, but are you visualizing any other pieces of the training or getting started? Or are there any other kind of mental things you would suggest in that sense? Yeah. I mean, it's
1: not, I think it starts with the outcome, like seeing yourself actually finish it, um, in your mind. Um, but actually one thing with visualization that helps me a lot is I, since I've played golf my whole life, I've, I've realized how much that game is mental versus physical because I've played my whole life. I know how to swing a golf club, you know, <laughs> but I'm not the top 1% and that's because I don't have the mental game. And so but what helps me a lot, um, I've been putting this into practice even more, but I even remember this as a kid is going through the whole steps and the training and the process of visualizing each step. So I'm just going to go back to the golf swing. Sorry, I'll, maybe I'll come back to endurance sports. But you know, standing behind the ball, visualizing what that which, which direction it's going to go, either, which shape the shot's going to go, either a fade or a draw, whatever, based on what's, what you're looking at in front of you. And then that's all you think about, even when you're standing over the ball, like what that's going to feel like. And so you can take that. And, and then usually whenever I get that really locked in, that, that's when I play my best golf, when I hit my best shots. And it feels really good when you visualize something and then you execute it and you realize I didn't even think about the physical side of that. Like it was all seeing the ball do what I wanted it to do. So the same thing um, you know, applies, I think, even with, with running and, and biking, I mean, it can be applied to any sport doing a big lift, you know, heavy back squat. It, you know, if you, if you think you're not going to do it, you're most likely not going to do it. Um, but if you visualize yourself, you know, in that process, even when you're training, so you can even set little goals. Like when you're training, I, 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 have got a 5k time that I want to beat. I've got a one mile time that I want to beat, And then, you know, you can go up from there if you're doing longer distance races. Um, you know, a 10 K or even half marathon, you start setting those goals and seeing yourself finish those in certain amount of times, a certain amount of time, then that's going to totally pay off in the race. Um, And one thing that I've been about the visualization side or kind of the mental side of endurance sports is I've got to know a bunch of people here that have been doing this a long time. And so they're way ahead of me, like in the mental game and they've got way more experience of like how things feel, how to push themselves and one of them just straight up told me like, just based on like, they know like what kind of athlete I am. Like I'm, I'm decent without even like necessarily like giving my hundred percent to it. I can finish a race, you know, but he's like, you haven't even found your potential, Like you have no idea what you, what you can actually do because you've never pushed yourself hard enough. He told me that to my face. It was like, all right. <laughs> well, I, since he told me that I haven't had a chance to, to do it yet. Um, I actually have a race this Sunday and it's a, it's an Olympic triathlon and I don't necessarily plan on pushing myself over the limit there because I haven't had the same kind of training regimen. Um, but he, he's also got me thinking about it. It's like, yeah, you get to a point in a race where you're, you, it's almost like you got to remember when you're racing, what you've visualized going, getting up to that point. And this will happen in a long race. You'll, you'll quest, start to question yourself why am i doing this this doesn't feel good right now and i can just stop right now and and you know go home and we'll be fine you'll feel better but it's a constant battle of it's almost like bringing that visualization you did in your training and so if you didn't do that in your training when you get to the race it's going to be a lot harder for you to men- mentally battle through that pain that you're going through or a failed plan i mean your plan usually doesn't go accordingly with a long race where you're racing for six hours or 12 hours. I haven't done 12 hours yet, but I mean, I've, i I'm starting to work on these things even before I do it so that when they happen, I'm prepared. I love that the conversation's is going this way. Cause I think a lot of, a ton of people benefit
0: for this. And I, I just selfishly like hearing about it. Cause these are things where I'm lacking. I mean, if we talk golf game, I must be super mentally weak or always visualizing a pretty hard slice to the right. Cause that's, the only thing that ever seems to happen with, with my, uh, with my golf game, at least, Mm -hmm. but in terms of the, the running side of things, and you can apply cinder and stuff too, but the like 5k distance for me, that's a a challenging distance for me, a a distance that I have a sub 20 minute 5k goal. And that's what I'm working towards this year. And that's just not, that puts me into a uncomfortable place. I Mm -hmm. I'll do, I've done 20 rep squat, back squat challenges. I've done things that other people would say really suck. But for me, it's that running distance, that intermediate uh, discomfort that just really sets in. And I have a hard time getting past that. Like you said, am I hitting 60% of my potential 80%? I know I'm not hitting a hundred percent cause I, I have a hard time getting past that, that mental barrier. And are you, I haven't tried much on visualizing the outcome, which might be, might be something to try, but is there anything to get through the process of that just uncomfortable feeling that comes up because I'm not thinking about anything when I get to that point where it just starts to hurt so bad that you want to stop.
1: That's a good question. And I don't know for sure if I have a great answer for it, but one thing with any kind of distance of race, if, uh, that I've learned, especially in the last two years is it's, it's not just about like getting yourself into training to where you feel like you might feel in that race. What, what is better is actually to shorten it up quite a bit and So shorter interval training and pushing yourself in those short intervals to where you're getting, I mean, if you're going to run faster and finish a 5k in under 20 minutes, you need to know what it feels like to run fast. So maybe you can only do that for so long right now for, you know, the first mile or even the first two miles, you can push yourself and then you just run out of gas. But what I like to do is use short and long, long intervals to really push myself to see what my body feels like. And whenever you see what your body feels like in those, for example, a short interval of doing like, um, six, four hundreds on like a short rest, like on a one minute rest or something like that. And you've got to feel what, what you're going to, what your body is going to feel like to get when you, when you get to that point. Otherwise it's almost like you don't know what to do when you, when you do get to that point in that five K race or just a time trial, whether you're doing it by yourself or whatever. And, and so you, you, you lose like, I mean, you're going to lose that battle most likely mentally if you haven't pushed yourself in speed. So if you push yourself harder, like you can run a fast, I mean, 400, and then you can do that repeated after, I mean, you build that up over a few weeks repeated after um, a short rest. And then you move those up to longer intervals, like 800s and even 1600s to where you have to push your body to where you know what it's going to feel like physically. And then you start to fight through those, um, mental barriers of feeling that in a short amount of time. And then the more you build that up, um, I think when you, I mean, you can't simulate a race, like it's just, I I haven't figured out now. I mean, maybe you can, (laughs) but it just feels different in a race. You're number one, you are actually able usually to push yourself harder than you realize. Um, so I've also gone into it realizing in my training that I know I'm going to be able to go faster than this. Like I tell myself that, I mean, even though I'm not going as fast right now, I'm okay with it. Because I know whenever I get next to the people or I'm chasing somebody or someone's come behind me, that's kind of pushing me. I'm. I've decided already in my training that I'm going to run faster. Um, but if you don't work up, you still got to have a balance of those physical and mental things because yeah, physically, you also may not be able to do it like <laughs> it may just be at this right, at this point right now physically impossible because you haven't done the proper kind of physical training to make to, so your body is even used to that and makes those adaptations to going that fast for that long it's not just mental i mean i don't want to give that picture it's like oh you put your mind to it and you can do it you know it's not all about that it's definitely a huge factor though um i mean does that kind of make sense to answer your question yeah, totally, and I, I think it's I think it's clearly
0: cool brought that back because it's it's easy to hear the visualization stuff, and, and just because I've been neglecting there, and I think a lot of people overlook that component of it and focus only on the physical, but ignoring that there's such a tight connection between the physical and the mental. And I think what you said there, and correct me if I'm wrong here, sounded like doing the intervals to start to experience that feeling and and set yourself up for some small wins too. I think that's the that's where I get that's where I can get into trouble. And I'm sure a lot of people can, if I'm only timing my five K and then not seeing any or not seeing the results, maybe I want to the big jumps, like picking some shorter term or shorter distance interval goals, hitting the time on those. And, and you can see some more, I think objective progress from that in the interval things. Would that be mm-hmm. accurate?
1: Yeah. Because if you don't um, know what it feels like, like even going at a short amount of time, like a shorter interval of 400, even a 100, then you're, it's like, you're just not really going to know what to do when you try to get to that point, running a full 5k. Um, but yeah, you were right on. Definitely.
0: Yeah. I like the blend between the physical and the mental. That's something that I think anyone listening can benefit from, whether it's golf or sports, Mm -hmm. just getting out of pain. I think it's a big thing too. And that's something we see a lot of is people get stuck in this, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay the role of pain and the, the physical side of pain, but there is, If you don't let go of the, if you don't embrace the possibility that you can improve and that you can get better, then that's something that's going to continue to maybe harm a little bit of your, your progress, or or at least stall some of the progress that you can have. And in terms of, do you see a lot of, do you work with a lot of endurance athletes in terms of the injury side of things as well? Yes. I've, I've definitely dug myself into that niche as much as possible. Yeah, Um, partially by choice. But what are some of the common injuries and things that you see in in that population? And are those some simple things that can be avoided?
1: Yes, definitely. They can be avoided. And that's that's the hard thing is actually getting people to proactively work on things before they happen. Because when you're doing a long distance sport where you're putting the same kind of um, stimulus on your joints and muscles for a long period of time things are going to break down. I mean, it's, it's, it's just depends on how your body's going to deal with it. And usually what you typically see with runners is a lot of, um, obviously lower body injuries, but it's more the chronic overuse. Um, a lot of tendonitis, um, even like chronic hamstring strains. Um, and it's usually stuff kind of on the posterior side, but then you see people get shin splints all the time, whenever they, that's usually due to like, jumping into something too quick and not having proper footwear and then having horrible running date and not even realizing it and knowing that's a thing. And then, um, regardless though, like of, of like where the injury is, I uh, I have found what to be most beneficial is, is start from what I look at is start as I start from the feet. And because so many people, I'm guilty of this too, is, You, you find a good pair of shoes that you like. This this is mainly talking to runners and triathletes, but, and they feel good. They're comfortable. You put them on, cover your feet and you forget about your feet because they feel good. You know, maybe they feel fine. You don't have any problems with your feet, but if you don't have good motor control in your feet, strong feet, then it's just going to lead up the chain. So I start people with the feet and that usually a lot of times will cure 60, 70% 60, 70% of what's going on in their Achilles or in their knee, especially, um, hardly anybody has an actual structural problem in their knee, but that's where a lot of the pain is, isn't, is, you know, quote unquote runner's knee. Um, but both mean you know that if you don't look at the full body, I mean, even with a runner, if you're not looking at things from the spine, then there, you know, there's going to be problems. So as far as like a preventative side, um, Number one, like I think everyone's gait should be analyzed, their running gait. I mean, you should, I mean, whether it's by a professional or even someone that just knows a little bit about what they're looking about and looking at and talking about, um, I think it would be tremendously helpful to have someone look at you runs in slow motion, either on a treadmill or even what I do is just in a short space in my gym and look at it from the side, front and back. And we usually just make little changes, get people running a little more efficiently and that takes time to change because they've just been running naturally and not thinking about it. Um, But so you start with that and then you start with just even just like doing simple movement and mobility assessments, you can pick out all kinds of really simple things to work on that make a huge difference um, in the way they're able to actually apply that efficiency in their run. So like even, so if you do these separately and like just do the running analysis and don't do any kind of um, mobility or movement assessment, then you're kind of missing a piece of the puzzle because maybe you want them to do a certain thing in their running gait, but there's no way they can even get in that position because you haven't checked it. So when you have someone that, uh, that takes the time to really approach that whole person as, you know, you look at their run, how they're actually running, you look at, you know, the movement of their ankle, for example, if, if you don't have the right ankle enough ankle mobility, just like whenever you're doing a squat, um, it affects your running as well. And so, when you combine all these things of looking at that and then you start getting into the strength aspect of it, then you're able to really help people. Um, and I've seen this from both directions, mainly from people coming in of, I'm hurt, can you help me? <laughs> I've been running 60 miles a week and now my shin's hurt or whatever. And But before that, they weren't doing anything really preventative. Maybe they were doing just a little bit of strength training. Um, and then I've got the opposite end of people that have realized Somehow I've gotten them to realize or they've just read a bunch over the years or experienced injuries over the years and tried to get help, whether it's through other PTs or chiropractors, doctors that try to, you know, get through to where they can run. And they realize um, I actually need to start working on this before I hurt. And that is so hard to do. It's so hard to make yourself like go ask somebody for help. But at the same time, it's like, you know, getting a coach for triathlon, for example, um, for me, it's a no brainer. Like, yeah, you can find something online to help you train. But to have that feedback from somebody, it's almost like if I didn't have that coach, then I'm just setting myself up for failure. And I'm, you know, I'm not injured. It's not like I'm hurt going into it. But the likelihood of you probably getting hurt trying to coach yourself when you're not an expert in it, then it's not very good. So, and you're probably going to get hurt or fail at the race or, you know, not have a good race. And so it's kind of the same thing with physical therapy, you know, for people that know what physical therapy is and what physical therapists can do for them. Um, part of that is on us, like how we can actually, you know, advertise that to what we can do and what, how we can help people. I think that's changing a lot, um, with a lot of the people that we're working with people are realizing there's a lot more you can do to to save you time and money and heartache, on the front end of taking care of your body, preventing injury pro- proactively by doing strength training, doing plyometrics. Um, it's like, I mean, I know you've talked to people about, uh, the golf niche and it's like golfers doing back squats. Like, why would you need to do a back squat in golf? It's, it's actually extremely essential and be able to learn how to transfer load and power and all this and having mobility. It's, it's even part of one of the golf screens that we do an overhead squat, like, I and mean, why are you doing overhead squat and golf? Well, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, you, you get the right professionals kind of looking at these things from different angles and you can prevent so many injuries. Um, but at the same time, I mean, when you're training for something long like this, it's it's almost inevitable. Something is going to bother you at some point. Um, and that's totally normal. I, I think even when you're approaching it, almost kind of going back to the mental side, even realizing you're probably going to have to work through something that is difficult during that training time and likely during the race as well. Something's going to come up. That's difficult during training. It's usually some kind of injury or difficulty recovering. You can't predict getting sick. Um, I mean, if you have an illness come up, if you're, you know, there's, there's things that you're going to have to be prepared for to realize, okay, I can't bulletproof myself from everything and completely, if I'm going to train for an Ironman, it's 140.6 miles. Something's going to hurt, you know, no matter what you do. Um, but if you're ready for that, you're able to fight through it because our bodies are resilient. And if you have the right people around you that are helping you from different aspects, whether it be your tri coach, your um, physical therapist, um, and you know other you know health professional part, parts of your team, even your uh, training partners like that is huge. Having trainer training partners around you that are experienced. That are able to push you and tell you when to slow down and tell you when to go see somebody um, I, you know I, I think that all works together um, as a team to really help you prevent those injuries but also work through them when they do happen
0: yeah some so many good points there, and I, I think you know a couple of things that stand out to me is yes there is going to, there's going to probably be some pain some discomfort some joint pain, some muscle irritation if you, if you're pushing your body that way to not to not be you know, not be unaware of that, not be naive to that, but also that's kind of part of the process. But if you are surrounding yourself with the people, like you said, and if you're seeking out a coach and doing the best recovery things you can and checking mobility, checking strength, there's probably a better chance that you're going to be able to, to have a bigger buffer. You're going to be able to Mm -hmm. probably push your training harder and push your performance harder and push those things harder before experiencing those setbacks. So it's, they are inevitable to some degree, but at the same time, that's not a, it's not a fixed line either. That's, that's a line we can kind of maneuver a little bit based on what you're saying, the the assessment process, good mobility, good strength, just taking care of the things that are within our control. And that can go a long way in helping people because we see this with runners all the time. And I'm sure you see the same thing is that people just, because running so easy, it's so readily available. It's like, well, I need a pair of running shoes. And now I'm a runner, but like people don't realize how complex running is when it comes to like you said gait and running form and the strength needed and the mobility needed. People just start picking up a running routine though, a couch to 5K and I, I think those things are those things are great and I think it's great for getting people excited about running to get them in in better, you know, cardiovascular shape. But to neglect the complexity of running to neglect the need to seek out a coach, to be like, Hey, I can spend, you know, one visit working with someone and get a ton of information versus having to wait for something to break down the road. And then all of a sudden you need, you know, you're out for, for three months. And I think that's, like you said, really, really hard for people to see, but the ones that can take more of that proactive
1: approach do really, really well. Yeah. Have you found a way to um, find those people and let them know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah
0: it's it's a. Uh, I i think i think the endurance worlds are pretty good they're pretty good about being proactive to you know if you can if you can get in with the the right group of them there's some that seems to fall on on different sides of the fence some don't want to do any recovery their warm-up is only their first mile or two is all, <laughs> that's all they all they do for a warm-up and their cool down is a beer or something but uh for that's you know, why they're running the race. It's, yeah. it's it's good motivation. So, yeah. And that's a, I mean, it, it's hard to find that. It's hard to, like you said, it's just hard to shift that mindset. I, as much as we know, I'm sure you fall into this too, but to, to give people some grace, it's like, I, we know a lot about movement and performance and recovering those things, but we're not always practicing what we preach either. Because if we're not in pain, if we're not hurting and if our performance is doing pretty well, it is hard mentally
1: to, to make that shift. Have you found that too? I'm a hundred percent guilty of that. And I mean, I was actually kind of dealing with this other day, just both kind of mentally and physically. Um, I mean, I, I did have my ACL reconstructed three years ago and it, it does bother me sometimes. It's I can't say like, it's good, you know, (laughs) um, it's never going to be the same in one sense. Um, but whenever it does start to bother me, I kind of look back and realize actually it's not just me looking back. It's I work with so many endurance athletes that I'm having them do all these things and I'm realizing the whole time, like if I had just been doing this, my knee wouldn't be hurting right now. (laughs) and I'm talking about myself. Like, I mean, honestly, we're, I am, you know, as a PT is typically one of the worst patients, but, um, at the same time, I do realize like You know how important it is while i'm telling somebody um it happens to me a lot to where i I think if i had been doing this it probably would be feeling better i mean i haven't had to deal with anything major thankfully um since the acl but and actually my knee has felt better probably because of the things that i'm doing um with the different cross training swimming biking and running Um, not just running um and strength training of course and it's you know it's it's hard to get yourself to to, well, a part of it is like you spend so much energy helping people. Like, it's almost like whenever your family member asks you for help, <laughs> like, um, especially, I mean, I don't know how it is with your wife. She's a PT too. Right. But, um, she may not ever ask you for help, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever it's, whether it's my wife or, you know, family members, it's like, I mean, it would make a joke. Me and my wife have a joke. Like she's got to get on the schedule if I'm going to see her, like, because it, whether it's her or myself, I've put so much energy in helping other people. I tend to not look at myself and think about how much I may be benefiting from what I'm telling this person to do. And so it's something I'm always working on. Um, obviously still haven't mastered, but something to work on for sure. Yeah. We we just had a, just had a client I was working with yesterday
0: and, and he's like, man, you got, you guys must never be you guys two PTs. You must never be hurt. You guys are like, You're gonna you're gonna age so well because you're doing all the right things. I'm like, hey, just cause we we just cause we're telling you these things doesn't mean we're going through and you know, cause like you said, we're helping people, we're working all day with people, we're, you know, always in it. And then like you can be exhausted after. And it's it's hard to to have that that proactive approach. I'm good about getting my training in, but I'm not as good about recovery and cooling down and making sure my mobility's in check and these things that are gonna help me you know, age better and and have better longevity, but there is a threshold because enough pain starts kicking in and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. now I gotta, I gotta double down on these things. But if we can just stay on top of that, I think the results would be, would be much better. But just for the listeners know that we're not, we're not immune to injuries, to not doing what we know we should be doing, even though we know we should be doing it. So, but it is important to continue to work towards that
1: for sure yeah i got that when i tore my acl it's like you're a pt you you got hurt like (laughs) i mean actually it's funny because i was i was in at that time i thought i was in really great physical shape and physical condition i was i felt faster than i ever felt on the soccer field um and there were little things that had happened like the week before i sprained my ankle and i was still playing i just had a friend tape it and it was you know i was okay i could still play but we were playing on this artificial turf, which I never played on as a kid. You know, that's all people play on these days. And then also throughout that whole week, there was something, I felt something kind of weird and swollen in my knee, but I just ignored it. Like, I was like, I feel good enough to play. And actually the first half of that game, I was feeling really good, even with the sprained ankle, but it was those factors that totally led to me tearing it in non-contact. It was, there was something going on the knee that I ignored. There was, um, I had the left ankle sprain that's where the right knee. And so it, I was guilty of just ignoring those things. But at the same time, yeah, like we're not, um, you know, invincible, you know, we, just because we're medical professionals and we preach it all the time. Uh, we've got to follow the same rules. So definitely I'm guilty.
0: And and we're easy to, we're easy to judge ourselves in hindsight too. It's like, Oh, I could have done this and this and this, but that's, that's how we, we kind of live and learn from that. And what would you learn the most from your, your ACL recovery process? Cause that was, sounds like it was your first big time on the, you know, the, the patient side of things versus the therapist side of things.
1: Well, I, I didn't realize, I think how much um, you have to push yourself in the rehab process. I mean, i I was used to pushing people. I working with a physician owned clinics. I saw so many, I treated hundreds of ACL reconstructions and, the way it was set up i wasn't really able to help them the way i probably could but at the same time you know you don't you have no idea really what they're going through (laughs) until it happens to you so in a sense it was almost a little bit of a blessing of it happening because i got to experience uh firsthand how much you have to actually push yourself to try to get your knee back to normal um and actually even three years later almost three and a half years later now there's, there's things I'm doing and realizing, like, I still haven't, you know, found that full potential and, and what's there in my knee now. I mean, there's a reason it still bothers me. It's because I haven't, I still haven't found like that, or maybe I found it, but I haven't pushed myself to that, um, extent of learning how to strengthen my knee even more, uh, to get it back to feeling even better. And I've read, you know, testimonies of people that, you know, working, working with athletes of, being told that they'll never be the same. And they've they found the right programs that work for them and the right person to push them hard enough. Um, and that's really what I've learned is like, don't stop looking for something to help you because I think this has come up before, maybe I think I said it earlier, but we're, we're way more resilient than we give our ourselves credit for as far as physically, our body is, and even mentally. Um, I mean, it's just amazing how our human bodies are made to be able to recover and heal and so, but we still have the have the responsibility on ourselves to be able to push ourselves and find those limits um, and go past those limits of feeling like better than you did before. I can't say that I feel better than I did before I tore my ACL, but I know and I realize just after some experience that there it's there. Like I know it's there. I, I just have to you know push myself to go find it. That was the biggest learning, and which I'm still learning is get past that threshold and then keep going. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to find that,
0: that next level. And you always think you're there and then you push yourself a little further and you find there's more to it. And that's, that's an ongoing process and that, that never stops. And it's cool for you to experience that in a, in a different way. And I think I also love what you said too, about finding someone who, you know, th- there is a right approach out there for you regardless of your sport or your injury or those things. Like you're not going to click with every, everyone out there and not everyone's going to be able to necessarily help you, but there's definitely someone out there that can, you know, make those changes even. So, so don't give up on that side of things either. Even if 10 people told you like, Hey, you're never going to quite be the
1: same. Keep working, keep working towards it. I think it's powerful. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I mean, it, people are told that all the time, um, even by like by people that are very well respected in what they do and they tell you you're never going to be the same or you're broken. And if you hear that, or someone tells you that run the other way and find somebody who's going to tell you that you're not broken. And, and so I'm constantly doing that work in the clinic of reversing people's mindset of like that, you know, that they're, that they're broken individuals, you know, because they've had this back injury or they're recovering from ACL reconstruction. Or, um, I mean, you're, it's just those, those terms are just like, I've realized, just through being able to help some people get past that, um, that threshold it's, it's there like run the other way and find someone who's going to give you positive feedback and help you explore those boundaries that you haven't reached before. Yeah. So true. So well said. I know
0: there's a, and we see, we see it every day. There's people, there's a guy I'm working with that's been told by probably 20 people. Cause he has a very bad looking image in his lower back of some pretty nasty looking imaging, but He's been told like, he's never going to be able to to squat down again. He's never going to be able to bend to pick something up. He shouldn't even slouch when he's sitting and just these extreme things that, and you know, four visits in now he's pain free for the first time in six months because simply by telling him that he's not broken, showing him that he can hinge and squat and Mm -hmm. lunge and do these things. And like, it's opened up a whole, whole new world for him. And we see that in big and small cases all the time when we, when we can empower people and not, you know does everyone need to be deadlifting 500 pounds? No, but should everyone be able to do basic movements of bending and squatting and even a little bit of jumping running? Like, I, I think so. Definitely. I totally agree. Yeah. And uh, a couple other things I want to get into before we wrap up here. What's a, uh, you know, how have you noticed your, you know, cause you got so much going on too with, with business, your family, you're still training, you're trying to get your first marathon and your first Ironman, where do you, where do you find time for all this and how has it changed from with, uh, kind of with family life from being a younger parent, you said 24, I think when you had your, your first kid And, and how did things kind of evolve and change since, since that
1: evolution? Well, I think it took me a long time, uh, to, to figure it out, honestly. And I can't, I can't say that I've fully figured it out, but I've definitely made progress. Um, but we were, me and Allison were young. We were 22 and we got married and had our first at, uh, 24 years old. So she's 11 now. And, um, so having those three kids within two years, um, that was kind of the plan. We did it. We, we were, we were as much as possible, like, you know, around and helping them, um, and being present. And that's, that's actually one thing that may bring up, uh, later, but, uh, I, I struggled for about 10 years of being, being active and actually, you know, working on my quote unquote training is like, it was non-existent. Um, I, I would, I would work basically, you know, probably 50 hours a week, um, and be so drained from that, that I honestly didn't want to do anything. The only thing that actually, okay, I say I wasn't active. The only thing I kept doing during that 10 years was about once a week, I would play basketball with some friends, uh, pick up basketball. And so at least I kept, you know, doing something, but it, it was, I was able to, eventually it was, it took the, the doctor telling me, you need to change your lifestyle. Like you're, you've got, you're 32 and your cholesterol is high. And so I, you know, like I said earlier, I jumped right into it. I, I took that as motivation. And so as far as like, you know, even later now, so the kids are seven, nine and 11 over the last two years, things have changed about like how i'm approaching like how to balance those things because i've i did start a business um you know that is one of you know my top three things that i focus on i can't say that it's my priority i think if it was then um i might be in a different spot than i am now a uh, business-wise which would be great but other things would have suffered for sure with my family um and spiritual side of things and so uh what I, the approach that i've taken is being able to balance both, um, being a father, first of all, and and a husband. And then, you know, I wasn't able to do that whenever I was in my old job. So actually starting the business allowed me to free up times where I could actually put things on the schedule where like, okay, I'm going to exercise at this time. I'm going to get up at this time. I'm going to help my kids get ready for school. I'm going to work on the business at this time, which I, which has been huge having business coaches help me do that because I'm really bad at blocking out my time and kind of managing that, but I realized I needed help doing that. So, um, that's, that's something that you know, I've learned how to manage of, I mean, honestly, I don't know how to do it. Like, I mean, to answer your question, it's like, it, there's a lot going on with the business. The, the kids are involved, in a lot of sports. Um, I'm trying to train for Ironman. I am still, I'm playing a lot of golf now, not a lot, but, like once a week on average, uh, if possible, I'm trying to, so I'm even blocking out time for that. Um, and that's just kind of a more of a personal thing. I'm wanting to work on that, but also related to business. I recently got some certification to work on golfers. So that's a, a direction that I am going to eventually take the business, but, um, there's just a lot going on. I'm, I mean, I, like I said, coaching soccer, um, take my wife is a rock star. I mean, taking, she's helping run the business. She's taking kids, to and from practices, dance. Um, and honestly, like I wouldn't want to have it any other way, like not having things to do wouldn't, I, I would just be bored and I'd probably get into trouble. So, um, it does get a little bit hectic at times, but I think the biggest thing is, which I, like I said, I'm still learning is learning how to kind of block those things out in your schedule. And, um, whether it be you know, actually scheduling family time, um, I couldn't I could do that whenever I was in, you know, working for uh, the other clinics, but it wasn't the same because I was so drained mentally from that. I couldn't help. I couldn't, I wasn't present like with my kids (laughs) and that's terrible, you know, and we still have other distractions now. Phones are really bad. Um, Finding a time, finding a way to just to put that away and go outside and jump on the trampoline with your kids. But I found that if, you know, not in such a regimented way where you're just totally mechanical, but finding a way to, Block things off in your schedule and work together with your spouse and make time for the family first. Um, we're re- we're really involved with things with our church. That's another thing I haven't really brought up, but I have designated nights where I'm involved in different meetings, um, whether it's with a big group or a small group. We have people over at our home for Bible studies, um, which has been different, you know, obviously with the pandemic. But um, it's you know there there is a lot going on and. You know, I haven't figured it out yet, but finding, finding a little bit of balance everywhere is what's working for me right now. And, and I'm not trying to go win an Ironman, you know, so it's not like I'm trying to compete at the highest level. I've realized that that's not what I need to do right now. And, and, or ever probably, (laughs) but, um, I've, I've found a way to be able to train enough to where I can finish one. Hopefully. I mean, I, I'm pretty confident that I can do that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's all about balance.
0: <laughs> Man, I love that. And I I think, you know, we align in a lot of ways with that of, you know, priorities, I think is a big thing that people you know, miss mismanage priorities sometimes of where, you know, like you mentioned for you, it's spiritually, family, business, and like health is important to you, but knowing where those fall in line with each other too, of if, you know, if your exercise starts taking the place of your family and your faith and some of those other things, like there's going to be some you know, there's going to be a a slow, slow or fast, like cascade or down, downfall with, with that kind of approach. So knowing, you know, knowing what's, what's realistic, like you said, I'm not trying to win an Ironman. And if if your goal is to win an Ironman, and that's the most important thing, then those other areas of your life are going to have to suffer. Like there is some, some trade-offs with that. I think the other thing though, that whether you realize it or not, it sounds like, it sounds like you're, you're saying no to a lot of things and you didn't directly say this, but what I took from it, you you have to be saying no, it sounds like you're doing a lot, but there's gotta be a lot of things that you're also saying no to, whether intentionally or, or subconsciously, because it sounds like you're doing a lot, but it's also a lot of stuff that's really, you know, you're not, you're not wasting a lot of time either. You're, you're doing activities that fulfill you and align with your priorities. How, how do you go about saying no to even, you know, good opportunities to really focus on these things that are the most, most focused and most, uh, important to you?
1: That's a great question. I mean, I don't know if I've really realized, you know, whether, how much I've even had to say no one thing I'm actually bad about saying no. So, um, <laughs> and that's, that's something my wife will tell you. It's, I, it's, it's not necessarily like a shiny object. I'm not chasing, chasing shiny objects, but, um, I'll kind of take one little step in a direction and I, I'm not great at saying no right away. So, it usually doesn't take very long because it kind of gets through me and to my wife. And she, she's kind of the litmus test of like, no, 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 don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to sign up for that gym membership. Um, and, and a lot of that is kind of business related, but kind of falls and since we're so mixed with our business and performance and fitness, um, things come up like, uh, you go to a gym and do a workshop or you go meet a new business owner at a row house or so, something like that. And, And I'm the kind of person who's like, Oh, I really like this. I'm kind of pretty, you know, I'm kind of good at it. And so let's go all in. And so (laughs) I'll come home and it's like, no, no, you're not joining that gym. (laughs) And so, um, that that's to answer your question, the way I do it is me and my wife have a really great relationship and she, she's able to tell me in the right way of like, okay, wait, let's, let's focus on this before we do this or give this a try first. Um, and so, I think for me, if I would just rely on myself and just was and just ignored anything that she said, then we'd be in a lot of bad directions. Like I mean, we was the business wouldn't have done well probably, and family, who knows? You know. <laughs> so, um, for me, finding that person, that that camaraderie in her, to be able to both in business and in uh, family life has been able to help me learn how to focus on the right things and say no to certain opportunities that yeah, there are opportunities and they maybe could be beneficial, but we always kind of look back to, we, I mean, we have kind of set some long-term goals of like exactly what, what we want our life to kind of look like. And so if it, um, she brings me back to that too, if I don't already, you know, is, does this line up with what you're trying to accomplish? And a lot of it, a lot of the times the answer is no. <laughs> but I'm usually the, the second, second one. I'm usually the second one to say no. <laughs> well, you found a good, a uh, good compliment then for,
0: yeah. for, uh, being strong where, where you might not be. So that's, that's really cool. And and we've uh, want to wrap up with just a couple more questions that have asked, have asked all the guests so far. And we've already gotten into so much of this side of things, which I'm, I'm super stoked about. Cause when I approached you originally to about the podcast and with any of the guests I want this to be, you know, a wealth of information from a, health standpoint from a fitness standpoint, which things we've already touched on, but also want it to be, you know, a place where we can be real with listeners and especially for our our struggles as as guys out there as like in this world, it's so hard if there's these appearances and comparison of what we should be, you know, looking from the outside, uh, looking at your life from the outside, it's successful business. You're doing all these things. It's golfing, it's the the fitness and marathon training, the Iron Man, the beautiful family involved with your church. Like you're saying, and there's just so many things going on. It's easy to look, you know, from someone looking from the outside and be like, you got it all figured out. You have life solved. You're, you're clicking on all cylinders, but you know, you and I both know that's just, just not really the case. And I think that's actually harmful for, for guys listening out there to see this appearance of someone who seems to have it all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that can do more harm than good. If, if we start getting caught in that comparison trap. So if you don't mind, I'd love uh, if you haven't already shared something, uh, you can either revisit something you shared earlier. Or if uh, you have something else you want to mention, uh, what's a challenge you faced or, are maybe still facing that's actually
1: turned out to be a big catalyst for your growth as a man. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's great that you bring this up because um, yeah, from the outside, maybe things look good and that's, and that's always really dangerous, like you said. It can be very dangerous. Is having this outward appearance of having everything together. Whenever I, you know, I realize as a spiritual man how much the inner man matters, um, and and as far as like you know, related to even eternity, it's like the outward doesn't matter at all. <laughs> um, but that's what people see, and that's what people look at. So, I mean, I would be the first one to admit we we meaning me, and my wife, me and myself we we have struggles. All the time um but uh one challenge uh i I was thinking about this a little bit as you were talking and it's when when i look back at it i was um i didn't even realize this during the first kind of eight years of my career i was uh very i I would say even over i was overworked like I, i i was getting burned out i'm not even sure how i lasted eight years um seeing 15 to 20 patients a day I mean, it was pretty much the same for those that entire eight years. And I think part of it was just that. I mean, I had a drive to help people and I w- in a sense, I kind of wanted to just, I thought I was going to be stuck in that. And so I was just said, okay, I'm stuck in this. This is what I'm going to embrace. Um, but being able to uh, realize that what that was doing to my family was um, something that I was able to overcome, you know, by starting even CSPT, starting my own business, with the number one goal, almost maybe not number one, but being to buy back time. And I guess people call it time freedom sometimes. And that's kind of, I think, loosely thrown around out there, but um, you can start building a business and it completely consume you. So uh, the, the challenge that I've kind of seen myself to be a catalyst for growth in my business is in my family life is that I've been able to, put aside, you know, trying to grow that business to where it's just like super fast growth. I mean, I think that probably could have happened even in a community like we're in. It's not huge, but I've been very content and and in even intentional in doing it slow. Um, I mean, it's been two and a half years. It's still just me right now. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We want to grow that uh, very much. I mean, that's our goal is to grow beyond myself, but um, being able to kind of pull it back and realize how much time I was missing. Um, th- this is kind of how it first came up. Even while we started a business, I would come home, sit on a chair and like almost just fall asleep because I was so drained and even like probably anxious from trying to like help so many people and feel like I can't help them. And, <laughs> and then my kids and family would suffer it's like, they don't get to see dad, you know, they don't get to, I never got to coach for them. I didn't. I went on a big trip to Israel with my brother um, and my dad two years ago or a year and a half ago when I was starting my business. But it's because I was able to kind of break free from that and realize you don't need to focus on that for it to be successful. It will grow as long as you put the right amount of focus on it. And so while while I've been building my business, it's, I've been really, I mean, like I said already, i just repeated. My family has been number one. I want to be a good father, good husband, um, be a good pattern to my kids and my wife, both spiritually, physically, health and wellness wise, even emotionally, psychologically. Um, I mean, I look at things from kind of the inner man out. I mean, there's, according to the Bible, there's three parts of man. You have your spirit, soul, and body. We spend most of our time in our soul because that's our emotions. That's our mind and our will our choosing to do things. And then of course our physical body, that's what we live in and have to deal with every day. Um, but if we don't focus on our spirit, it's at some point during every day, then all those other things are just going to eventually suffer. And so being able to take that time to focus on that, to focus on my family, focus on my kids. And then I think by putting those things first, there's been a blessing there to be able to take care of my family financially. Um, I mean, we're not rich, but I'm, we're comfortable. You know, I can take care of my family and pretty much do what we want to do right now. And so, you know, Using those, using that, using business to kind of make that change and overcome that has been probably the biggest thing looking back so far in the last two and a half years. I love all that. Yeah, no, thanks so
0: much for sharing that. That's uh, so much good stuff in there, and uh, yeah, just really, really cool that you're able to to share that and be open about it. And then, and we know business is not an easy journey, and it's a amazing time for growth, but it takes a lot of a lot of consistency in the right areas to be able to to keep, keep your mind in the right place. Keep, keep mm-hmm. everything, you know, prioritized where it should be. So really cool to hear all that. Yeah. Well, cool, man. That's a couple more things to wrap up here. I want to just give a few notes that I was jotting down as we we're talking throughout the the podcast, a few key, key summary takeaway points that have for people uh, for anyone that was listening. The first one, I love the, you know, the, the mental and physical side to, to training that that you got to dive deep in and using visualization and affirmations can be a powerful way to get to the next level or even just get started and can really transform what you're doing from a training standpoint. And I'd say it can really apply to to all areas of your life as well. And that's something that uh, I'm personally trying to to work on more. And I think it was really cool to hear you talk more about that. Uh, Second thing I loved was finding your full potential. You mentioned this a couple times. If you had a a coach that blatantly called you out for it and you mentioned with your knee as well, but to not stop looking for for that next level and knowing that when you think maybe you're at a hundred or close to a hundred, you might not even be close and you don't know until you continue to slowly uh, demand a little more from yourself and and continue to surround yourself. People that can elevate you in that area as well. And then this kept coming back time and time again of you're not broken. You're we're much more physically and mentally resilient than we think. So Mm -hmm. I love all those things. And those were a few big things that, that, uh, stood out in my mind. Anything else you want to add to that?
1: I don't know, man, that pretty much summed it up. I mean, I think that's pretty good. I mean, I I didn't expect necessarily to go down the mental and physical side of it, but I, I mean, I'm glad we did. It's something that you said you're working on something I'm working on. And, and even to to realize, you know, the matter of pushing yourself is, I mean, I don't think we'll ever find that hundred percent. And I think a lot of people would agree to that is, but the fact to be able to try to push yourself, you know, to find it is, is kind of what sets you apart and above, you know, what others are doing around you. Um, whether it's people telling you, no, you can't do that or, um, that, no, you're too broken to do that or, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest catalysts for us as business owners and in our family. Like when you're told, when I'm told I can't do something, it makes me want to do it and figure it out. So that, that's why we're kind of, we are where we are. If you, if you don't have that mindset, then you're probably not going to have a business and you may, you, you might just be kind of a miserable person. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, surround, your, surround yourself with the right people too. That's a big, yeah. big, uh, exactly. second side point to that. Awesome, man. Yeah. there were a lot of good things today as uh, so we have our last hypothetical scenario here, ask all oh, my guests yeah. it. it's our closing question here. So we're saying you're leaving your favorite coffee shop, your favorite restaurant in town, and you bump into your younger self of 10 years back. So younger Brian asks current Brian for some life advice. You're on your way to a full day of patience. You, you only have 60 seconds to talk with him. What are you saying to him and what advice are you giving to him?
1: Oh man, that's a great one. Um, 60 seconds. All right. So I think that, I mean, the biggest thing is, well, actually first thing, listen to your wife. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> uh, I got married really young. So 10 years ago I was married. Um, and so you start listening to your wife first, then things are going to go well, but you know, um, I'm not, you know, not that I'm joking about that, but you know, to be kind of serious, it's, you know, you have to re- I think I would tell them you need to realize that. don't be okay with like the status quo of things. And that's what I got caught up in was this is what you, um, this is what you are. You're a physical therapist. This is what you do and you're stuck in this. And I was stuck. And so don't get stuck with and be satisfied with the status quo, the way things that are done, but do what makes you happy. Love it. Couldn't have said any better. I I I wish I knew that. that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) 60 seconds can go a long way with something like that. I wish, yeah, there are a lot of things we wish we heard earlier, but, uh, it's the, the process of learning those, I think is extremely important as well. We learn a lot along the way. Awesome. Well, cool. Brian, thanks so much for coming on. Let's wrap it up. Where can people find you? Where can they get a hold of you, especially either people in the area? Or I know you have a, a podcast as well. That's
1: rolling along. What, uh, where can, where can people locate you? Yeah. So the podcast is called the active Texan. Uh, we're on, we also have an Instagram called the active Texan for that, uh, the business college station, com, And we're also at college station, pt on Instagram. I'm at Brian Watts, pt. And, um, you can also, if you wanted to email, this is on the website, but just my name, Brian at college station, pt.com. Um, I, I'm, I love talking to people, whether it's business, health, fitness, family, church, you know, whatever. I mean, I'll, uh, obviously, you know, I like to talk about it. So yeah, hit me up.
0: Sounds good. Yeah. Make sure to take advantage of that. Brian really appreciate you coming on a lot of fun. And, uh, thanks. Thanks for sharing with everyone.
1: Yeah. Thanks Dave. It was
0: fun. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the men made for more podcast. I hope you found today's show valuable and that you have some actionable strategies you can apply to your life today. If this is your first time listening. Thanks for being here. The aim of this podcast is to provide a ton of the best possible content to help you grow in your journey to becoming the best version of yourself. If you enjoyed the podcast and found it helpful, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. These subscriptions and reviews help other like-minded men discover the podcast and take the next step in strengthening their body, their mind, and their purpose. If you're a regular listener, I can't thank you enough for investing in yourself in this show please make sure to share this with a friend or post on social media and tag me with your favorite part from today's show. If you haven't already, make sure to join the Men Made For More Facebook group to be a part of a community of like-minded men that are elevating their game and living for more by searching Men Made For More on Facebook. Keep challenging yourself, growing, and know that it's okay to get out of your comfort zone and
1: know that you're made for more. Thanks for listening and see you guys soon.